like, well, we know we're talking about Prince, but you know, it is number 41. I think we have to. We are the 90s of the society. Well, you just heard Todd singing along in the background there, everybody. Welcome to Twisted Lister, episode 41. So we had to open with number 41. And don't ask. This is just kind of what, what we do, you know? I mean, toot, 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 toot. <laughs> yeah, number 41, episode number 41. Today has nothing to do with Dave Matthews. But uh, Todd, being the president of the 90s Preservation Society, we had to uh, give a nod out yes. to Dave Matthews at number 41. Welcome to episode number 41, Twisted Lister. We're going to count down our top five Prince covers as we uh, dedicate the, the show to Prince today. Uh, and it's been a while since our last show welcome to all our listeners and welcome back to my 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 colleagues on the on the board here at twisted lister todd and harrison it's good to be back oh happy to be here this is excellent of course and sponsored yes. sponsored today by by huckles hot sauce as always our long-standing sponsor uh harrison said uh hucklesauce.com where you can purchase all of your favorite huckle sauce flavors that's right that's right uh, yeah harrison the hot sauce biz is taking off correct Oh, out country. of this world, man! I, you know, I, I'm uh, now being served at the Ravens practice facility. You know, we're at about 20 different retail stores here in Baltimore. You know, the future's so bright, I got to wear shades. <laughs> All right, that's on on that note. Yes. Let's let's get into the show. Uh, obviously, we're, we're the, the show dedicated to Prince today. But we've been gone for a long time. There's been plenty of stuff that that has happened uh, in the time that we've been away. One of those things, Axl Rose taking on the leadership of ACDC and, of course, the kickoff of the, the, the reunited GNR tour. Um, you guys, have, have you guys seen the Axl ACDC material? I was quite impressed with it. What, what are your thoughts? Have you guys checked it out at all, either of you? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, okay. I've, heard, I've heard good things, and I actually have a ticket for the show because I had an ACDC ticket for DC in March, which got canceled. It was a St. Patty's Day show. And so I have a ticket for, I call it the golden ticket, because my <laughs> now, now my ticket for Axel DC, as I now call them. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, but I, I don't want to, I kind of don't want to spoil it, you know, so I haven't watched any video. So you, and, and, and you're going to get Axel now because we're going to see Guns N' Roses on the 26th. I know, so you're gonna Harrison get... and I are going in June to see Guns N' Roses. So, so you get double Axel. Summer, get seriously, Axel. hey, you know what? No, we've had, I might we need, none, of live, right? none of us have seen Axel Rose <laughs> live, right? And now Todd's going to see him twice in the span of you know. But what? this, this is this is yeah, Axel in the span of several months, probably. Axel. And headlining two different bands, including ACDC, who like what the hell? Okay, I know, well, ACDC and Guns N' Roses. No, but Axel took a page out of the the Bob Weir playbook. It's like, hey, whoever wants to play with me, I'm down. I'm just going to expensive tickets. <laughs> I like how Axel like. I like how the, he's like the most un uncooperative, like non-collaborative person imaginable. And then all of a sudden, 2016 comes around, and maybe he's just running short on cash, you know? And he's just like, hey, fuck, I'll work with anyone. All of a sudden, he's like Bob Weir. Who's no, I, I think, have you seen, okay, first of all, we've all seen the footage from him in, in like, in Vegas and stuff from the opening shows. I think like Rowdy Rowdy Piper didn't die. He's just now the head the, oh. the head lead singer for Guns N' Roses. Yes. I mean he's he's got the whole look down. He looks just like him. Just like the hot rock. Well, yeah, if he could put the kilt back on, he'd definitely yeah. have the I mean he did rock the kilt at one point. The kilt He's got the long the long red hair, he's when got the did, whole look. When was the kilt was Axel was the kilt part of the you could be mine get up or was that straight up underwear? Do you remember the you could be mine where no, he has the I know you could be mine was, was like the was under <laughs> the yeah. kilt. That was, that was the spandex. Yeah. Oh, I don't think he had the kill. What was the video where the, he was just running across the stage? You do. You could. You could was, be mine with the with the catcher's that? gear. He has the catcher's gear on. What, wait, yeah. Which I thought you could be mine was. No, what was the T two song? The yeah, Terminator two song. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah. mine. Oh, okay. They well, intertwine. Okay. They intertwine. Intertwine. Okay. Now games. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm sure. The, no, yeah, and it's game. amazing. He's got. You're right. It wasn't. It wasn't a kilt. He had a kilt on for something else. I don't know when the kilt was worn, but he had the. No, I think he wore yeah. the kilt over the over the bike shorts, shorts and then he yeah, had. Yeah, that was. Nah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm not, I think it was just straight up catcher's mitt. I feel like that I mean, was a catcher's glove. Catcher, not mitt. A catcher's catcher's uh chest protector. Catcher's a catcher's chest protector. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like he just got off from his co-ed softball game, and he got <laughs> on stage. <laughs> 
hat because he'd be wearing the hat backwards too. So he literally looked like he had just left his softball game. And uh, yeah, and then he would run around in the bike shorts and the catchers. I just hope I feel like yeah. Go ahead, Todd. I was gonna say I feel like Google Glass owes a debt of gratitude to the "You Could Be Mine" video. Yes, it really was like it really was prescient in terms of you know telling us what the future would be. I love that um, that so. song. I love that song. God, You oh, Could Be Mine song. is such a great song. And the the drumming on that song, and that's where, I mean, that's that's been the bone of contention on this GNR thing, obviously, is the, the drummer, uh, as, as we don't have Sorum or Adler, obviously, taking part in it. But uh, yeah. that's another discussion. We can move on. We can move on to Prince. Todd, though, other news. Todd, you went out to Jazz Fest. How was it? This is year number three I for did. you, correct? Number in New three, Orleans Jazz Fest. Yeah. It was, it was, it's incredible. I love Jazz Fest. I can't say enough good things about it. It's just a special place, as Scott knows. Special place, special event. And getting to see two of my musical idols was, was uh, like icing on the cake. I got to see Elvis Costello the first night of the second weekend. And I got to see Paul Simon headline the second night. And they were both phenomenal. I, I just, I, it's funny because there's only two sets in my, two shows in my life that I ever described as triumphant. It's a mm. very high compliment for, you know, for a concert. And, I, you know, you guys know I've been to thousands of shows. But those two shows that I ever described, and I, there's probably others that could sneak in there, but they were Springsteen in 2014, two years ago, at Jazz Fest with Tom Morello, with John Fogarty, with the E Street Band. That was number one. And number two was Paul Simon. There was something, like, electric about it. And, and it was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. And uh, so those two, and that's that's the thing about Jazz Fest. There's this magic about it. How so. did how you know? It's funny because Paul Simon in that setting is not someone who I would, I wouldn't know what to expect honestly in a festival type of setting like that. You know, and, and yeah. uh, you're saying you know and it, it didn't disappoint. I guess right? No, no, yeah. no. I mean, I feel yeah. like he, you know he he's he's obviously been around for a long time. He knows what he's doing. Like he, yeah. the Graceland material sounded awesome. Oh yeah, and that works really well. In, in I think the big setting I think I agree if you're just if you're thinking of like Simon and Garfunkel stuff right, right. like that you know if does you he include did that, that? Did, set, did he include no, he does he, yeah, he yeah. does okay. and it works so well because he, he it contrasts really well with like the Graceland material so he did he closed with the boxer which is one of my all-time favorite oh, songs yeah. and then sound of silence which is just incredible so like that was perfect after hearing diamonds on the soles of her shoes that you can call me out, a boy in the bubble, all this great Graceland material. Uh, <laughs> and, he, and Graceland, just Graceland, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. He, he did so crazy <laughs> after all these years. He did late in the evening. He did 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. I mean, these are just... Bridge over Troubled Waters? What? Bridge no, I didn't do that. I feel like that one's one of those, like, without Garfunkel, it's a little weird. Because Garfunkel, art was, like, a big part of that one. That makes Fair sense. Enough. That makes sense. But no, yeah, no. Yeah. But he, he, I mean, maybe he does do it. I, they have... Apparently they they're really in one of those like we hate each other types of well yeah phases, which uh, is uh, uh, what's uh, characterized uh, most of this as last, we had, yeah. <laughs> thirty years so they, they continue to devolve into looking more and more how, like an old lesbian are, couple every time you see them yeah my question yeah, yeah, yeah I never thought about that how are they <laughs> how are the, the how are the Pearl Jam guys still friends that's the first question when we have those guys on our show eventually that's the first question I have to we'll ask, ask because they're the only band that I feel like for they have not like they they haven't diverted from um from be, be, like from, from I don't know I mean I'm sure there are times hey everybody you work with you hate at some point I guess or you get frustrated well, with and, it. And if you, I mean it is really Todd, amazing. Todd read all those they're so Rolling Stone articles so he did like, like we all read those articles like they broke they almost broke up or they broke up like eight times like yeah. in the late yeah 90. yeah maybe there was a lot of they almost broke them up and you know, like all these different events that happened and then. Yeah. I think at some point they, you just I think you just hit a stride, right? Either you're just gonna do it forever or you don't, right? Well, yeah. And some, you know, so go ahead, Harrison. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're. No, right. I just I just say it's just I, right. How weird is Pearl Jam now? I can say is my Grateful Dead. You know, like I've had the same trajectory with them that my dad had with the Grateful Dead, and I can understand like how the, weird. How is it to have a band that you've no, like been listening to for 25 years and right. they're still together? So like how yeah that doesn't happen very often. U two being another example, and maybe there's like I think there's some point either where you know like it's a long term marriage. At some point maybe either you really love each other or it's a business proposition. 
So I, I think it's the latter. I think it's yeah. it's the latter, not to. You well, know, it, I think for the dead, it unfortunately became that towards the, like in, yeah. in 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 the end. But they didn't you know, like. But we like, know. Look, Bobby and Phil. And Bobby, Bobby that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. But Bobby and Phil won't tour together now. I mean, we know there's so there's right. there's obviously, but but oh. I feel like Pearl at Jam, some point you, mean, at some point you're 70 and it's time to just stop playing. No, not for Bob. Music. And not, you're on your second. And you're on your second liver, and you just gotta, you hey, know, don't, go home. Don't tell McCartney, Dylan, or or Weir, or Greg, or Greg yeah, Allman, or, or any yeah. of the any of the old cello guys. Don't tell them that because that's no, just. That, not, yeah, yeah, but he was yeah. just like, like, well, what part of my brain am I missing? Where like, if I'm a 70 year old billionaire, I still want to go perform in front of people, right? Oh, like, that's another show, man. I don't know. That's you, a good question. That's a great because yeah, these yeah. guys love the spotlight. Mick, yeah, some of them. Yeah, Mick, Neil, like, Dylan, Weir, Allman. Fogarty. I mean, these are it, it, I, well. They are. They're not doing it for the money. But, they can't be doing but, it for the money at this point. No, right? but, so. because but you know what they are. They're the equivalent to what classical musicians were to that genre. I mean, they are the guys and and women. I mean, that they the people involved in that era of rock built rock music. They did, and they're mm -hmm. they're gonna do it. They're you know the best equivalent actually to them is the old school blues musicians who played until they were a thousand years old. And still, yeah, you know, those guys had to because those they, the only, that's how they that's they, they, true. They true. They were, that was the only way they got through. These yeah, guys, they you could retire. They can retire, buy an island, and just be done with it, right? Like they could retire. Maybe it's just they're just too inextricably entwined in their career that they can't like they can't stop. Yeah, yeah, more so than other do. people. It's well, I think I think it's I think it's a combination. This will be a great. These are great interview questions for when these people appear on the lister because yeah, I right. I think it's a combination. I think some of them, it's money. I think some of them there is a need. Some of them have been really bad with money, Billy Joel, and there's a need. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them <laughs> have. Uh, I, th I think some do it for ego, and then I think there are a few, and maybe I'm being too too naive or too optimistic here, but I think there are some who do it literally for the fans because they feel what they built for music, and and it's probably a combination of all three or four of those things. But yeah. you know, but I think what they they did, you know, you you mentioned Todd, a person like Paul Simon, does he owe it? to the fans and the music lovers out there, a person like Todd, hey, you know what? In your lifetime, you should be able to see an artist like Paul Simon. All of us have seen Bob Dylan at some point, right? Right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, that's, and we're rock fans. We obviously did not grow up with Bob Dylan because we're younger than that. But but does he – I don't think he gives a shit. But you know what I'm saying. As, as, do you owe it to, to music fans to, to show them your craft, I guess? I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Well, I think the, the interesting thing about this is that that this is, you know, rock, obviously, the, the, all these musicians started out mostly in the 60s, and rock really started in the 50s. So it, 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 this is like the first time that we're seeing this aging process. You know, it's not like, it's not like this is, was seen by previous generations, which you've seen in other industries and other, right. you know, times. So that's the interesting thing is like, how does rock music, something that's, you know, always been thought of as a youthful movement, how does that age gracefully into you know the seventies or the eighties? You know? No, you know what? It's so, so no. I think I think it's so funny we're talking about this because ten to, to twenty years from now we're going to be saying the same thing about hip hop, right? We, we all grew up with hip hop, and I remember mm -hmm. even you know thinking about this kind yeah. of thing, like okay, when when first you know the first the 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 one wave that the early nineties, the Public Enemy wave. What's that going to be like? In, in well, no, like I should, yeah. well, I can say like last month at uh, Light City Baltimore, which is a festival we did, had here in the city. DJ Jazzy Jeff performed, right? So there you go. There's a guy who's been around for 25, you know, almost 30 years or 30 years playing hip hop. And he he put on a hell of a set and he opened with the French Fresh Prince theme song. That was the first thing. That's great. And then he did the theme for Mr. Belvedere right after. Just <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure he did. All right. Um, well, so this so... actually leads in. Well, I was no, going to say this leads in nicely to our topic because, because now, yeah. you know, we are seeing these legends die like David Bowie, like Prince. Um, and you're seeing it even in hip hop, you know, with Fife Dog yeah. and we, you know, some others, obviously hip hop, th those guys are younger. Fife Dog was like 45, but like when, when guys like Prince die, I mean, Prince was 57, I think, mm -hmm. you know, then it hits you. It's like, okay, these guys aren't going to be around forever. I know Scott and always jokes about my mortality index that, like, <laughs> you know, helps me guide me at festivals. But like it is a real thing. Like these, you know, they're not going to be around forever. I'm so glad I've seen Neil Young. I'm glad I've seen Paul Simon. Yeah, you know, I'm glad I, I've seen Dylan and Springsteen and all these guys. Because yeah. who knows? And Prince was not one of those guys that you thought 
he wouldn't have even ranked that high on the mortality index. Well, no, because so. you didn't think he was a real person, so it would be no. He's, 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 I'm pretty sure he was immortal. Yeah. Yeah. He's an avatar. I thought he was just an avatar. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the last two standing will be Axel and Bob Weir. Like in like a hundred years, they're still gonna, and then eventually they're gonna be the only two left to play so with raspy. each other. They'll still raspy. <laughs> Wait, what about Keith Richards? Come on, we can't. And you know, him, uh... um, well, yeah, and Dylan. You know what? It'll be Axel Weir and Dylan doing knocking on heaven's door together with Keith playing guitar. I think that. <laughs> Those will be the last rockers standing. Yeah. Uh, it w- no, no, you're, you're exactly right. And also the way that Prince crossed genres ac- across generations, too. And uh, yeah. I know this this was a really, re- you know, I, I, as we talked about doing this topic, I was really excited about doing it because um, looking at all the tributes that happened and the Prince covers that existed before the tributes of so the topic, of course, being the top five Prince covers. And um, I did want to give a shout out to KEXP in Seattle, who did an amazing Prince tribute show just uh, you know, a week ago or so, and it was it was really remarkable. Kevin Cole, who works at KEXP, who was a former DJ for Prince uh, and worked at First Avenue in Minneapolis, and he just told all these stories and played these rarities. And one of the inspirations for this show is the fact that I think that when when these rockers pass away, and it's happened uh, too frequently in, in recent months, the tributes kind of they're they're not great and that's because of the state of media like you know dragging and dropping a bunch of greatest hits into a playlist is not the kind of tribute that you want to hear so hopefully we dig up some rarities some covers for you and hopefully you enjoy the countdown that's my my take that was my soapbox that's all i got harrison i, I bet you thought i was gonna go longer on that no you you were on a good roll man oh, well. i was just saying at least another five to seven minutes of pure <laughs> audio gold <laughs> well i i yeah any, I, so hopefully we dig some things up so harrison why don't you uh why, why don't you kick us off and, and and give us your your top five prince covers prince covers uh yeah, yeah so again and as you mentioned like the the generational span of of prince and i think that's right um i kind of started off with my list and i found a cover of uh, churches doing "I Would Die for You" uh, from the Black Cat in uh, June of uh, Black Cat in DC. Oh, uh, from the Black Street. Cat. Cool. From the Black Cat in uh, June of 2013, so a year before you and I saw them, Todd, uh, mm-hmm. at the 9:30 Club, uh, and it's. I was listening to it uh, with my girlfriend Leah, and she's like, "I swear I've heard them play this on the radio." And it, when you listen to it, you realize it's like the churches are covering a Prince song, but it's like it already, and it's, it's a really faithful cover of the song, but it's also right into the middle of the church's sound. You know, that kind of, that syncopatic, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, don't go ahead, Harrison. I'm just digging it up sorry. here, man. Digging it from the crates of the internet. But it just, it, it fits yeah. in with their sound so well that it sounds like a church's song. And I think that when you go through all these Prince's songs, you realize how well he was at like, getting through genres and people finding songs that, you know, he could play rock and roll. He could play new wave, which churches is definitely, I would consider a new, new wave band. Um, and they, you know, it really fits in there. Do you have a, something cute up there? Cause it's it really good. voice is becoming one of the most distinct voices too in rock i think i don't yeah, it I, is. I really gorgeous. you know i know Todd, i love you, it yeah you sent me the link to the new stuff which i really the new single which had just come out and i really like it and um it's it's yeah i and, I, and that, the reason why is her voice i think it's it, it's becoming like i said one of the most unique uh voices in in rock so yeah. So I, yeah, that, that was just a good example for me of just um, of the of how and then again this was that wasn't a tribute song like they they chose to play that and I think it just shows like the the generational interest and span of his music. Um, for number four, I went with probably the, the the Prince cover that we all got to know the best, which is "Darling Nikki" by the Foo Fighters, which I think is a very interesting in, interesting politically because before the Foo Fighters covered this, I can almost guarantee you that Darling Nikki was not once ever played on American radio at any time. <laughs> You're probably right. Until <laughs> the Foo Fighters covered it. And is that it, like, and I'm wondering is like, is that just a generational thing or is that a racial thing? Or like, you know, you know, oh, it's a great Dave question. Can, yeah. Dave Grohl can get away with that, but you can't have a black guy t- you know, talking about that on, on the radio or, you know, just or did the social norms over the 20 year, 25 years between the two uh, recordings were enough that you could get away with it. I think there's I was a to say, I think it's more. Yeah, no, there's a combination, but I think it's more like the eras that came out because one one came out in like the Tipper Gore era, the PMRC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the Foo Fighters released theirs, they were, there was a lot more that 
was okay to to say on you know in commercial radio or just commercial music yeah and of course an interesting thing when we get through all our lists i think you know four out of five songs on all of our lists are going to be from uh the purple rain soundtrack so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah which yeah. i actually i got to see the uh i went to a our uh showing of the of purple rain a week and a half ago at the senator which is our big like uh you know big uptown movie theater here in baltimore and i don't know if you've seen it recently but that movie does not hold up it's uh yeah vicky and i watched it on tv right after just the just the just we wait 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 wait, wait, like, wait like about this you watched it on like tv like the kind you like flip through the channels and like it would just happen to be on is that yes we wow. watched it on the wait, television no i no i'm curious no because i didn't know i'm curious like who put it, somebody like put it on a programming i'm decision. pretty sure it was vh1 head oh on. yeah of course. and i can't <laughs> well, that, it. yeah yeah heavily yeah. heavily edited yeah, i'm sure yeah yeah okay got it no i was curious because uh but we watched yeah. it and you're like this is a little silly but the music is great right the, the actual the whole the acting you know like, a little something it's great i mean it's hysterical to watch and you got more stay in the motherfucking time in it so oh. you know it's a good movie I, I you know what i didn't know i didn't remember or realize how much like minneapolis and first avenue the club play a part they're like a they're like a character in that yeah movie. oh absolutely and i didn't realize that so that was something i took away Anyway, it's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it because it's it's a lot of fun um, in, in its own weird way. But uh, hey, moving on. So again, as always, uh, did you watch? With, wait, wait, wait. After you sorry. saw Todd, were you inspired after watching the movie to uh -huh. listen to Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson, which gets obviously a strong Minneapolis <laughs> shout out? I feel because right now my 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 trigger finger is about to play Escapade. Uh, I'm oh, not gonna no. do it. I'm not gonna do <laughs> it. Interesting. But I just want to hear that Minneapolis. Anyway, go ahead. All right, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think I was inspired to do that. All right, I own, but I'm pretty I, sure Vicky saw Janet Jackson on the Rhythm Nation tour. Rhythm. So uh, she'd be happy that I mentioned that. If if my <laughs> if my Columbia House orders were digitally stored as anything would be today, you guys would find that I did order the Rhythm Nation album by Janet uh, Jackson right. on cassette. Oh. Back no in doubt. the day, yes. Okay. I appreciate the full disclosure. <laughs> well, you also appreciate any kind of Columbia House love, Todd. I know that. Well, that's true. Columbia House or BMG, I don't discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Todd's going to get a bill for like $10,000 from Columbia House and BMG or a lawsuit. Like he faked his, he faked, he faked his, you know, he, he faked being some different altered personality. I did like, have a lot of fake names or I, I think I used real names of like family you know, members. So all right. it wasn't technically, but that's still considered <laughs> wait, fraud, I think, under the law. I know we're going. It I is, just, it is wait, Harrison, this I mean, isn't, it's Harrison, this isn't. This isn't admissible in a court of law, right? This podcast. Oh no, no. Podcast podcasts are still inadmissible. Okay. All, right. We're <laughs> All right. Just checking with my lawyer. Yeah. Just yeah. Sure. That's that's that As your lawyer, right? you can tell whatever crimes you want to admit to, that was the time. That okay. Could, All right. Thank you. That could change any moment. But if we're talking about Todd and his altered personalities, the best one though is the I'm sorry, I know we're going off on a tangent, but the <laughs> yeah, best this one is this is this is the best one, and I have to play a song behind it. Do you oh, Yes! No. Yes. Oh, when Damn. Todd it, Todd's first email address was Nick. No, no, his, I have his <laughs> email account. His, his it, was, account. it was my email also. And your email. Okay. I had a little bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> so Todd, what was it? Tell tell the audience what your right, uh, email. It was it was nhexum311 at aol.com. Like Nick Hexum, who was the singer of 311. Yeah. And what happened? And then, Did you just stop uh, using it because people kept well, I mean, people talk shit to me on in chat rooms. I love this. This is so nice. People talk shit to me in chat rooms because I try to impersonate Nick Hexum, and they'd be like, "You're not Nick Hexum, you fucking, uh, fucking fraud bullshit." And I'd be like. I am Nick Hexum. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I gotta get eventually. Oh, I just like sign off and I. I didn't like, even okay, notice. I don't, I don't got mail. You actually tried to be Nick Hexum. Wait, 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 Todd. There's a reason why we do this together, then, because I have a story about the so same. Todd, of all people, why wait, did you choose wait, Nick Hexum? I've got a, I, Hold on. I, I don't know. I was Hold like 15, 14, 14. <laughs> all right, number three eleven. <laughs> But I got a story. I the first time we played 311 on the list. Also, not you're you're not the only person to impersonate a 90s music star oh. in a chat room. I once impersonated Coolio in my AOL days. <laughs> 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 so, Coolio? Yeah, I wanted to. So I go in. The, I don't know how this happened. I, I remember this. I 
go into this. I don't know what it was. Whatever. I I wanted. To, so I was like, oh, I'm Coolio. And this guy's like, you're not Coolio. Oh, Coolio. <laughs> 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 I said, I said, yeah. I was at the MTV Musical Awards last night, and I said, <laughs> all right, you just made me feel a lot better about my life. Well, you, that's the three of us. We all make each other feel better because we sit in rooms three thousand miles away from each other and we talk about music for an hour. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right, back to the. <laughs> Back to the countdown. Oh, were we, do- yes, were we doing yeah. a countdown? Yeah, okay. we were. Sorry. So, Let's get back to the, back to the countdown. And uh, as always, we get to interpret um, our uh, our uh, subject for the week on our own. And ours was Prince covers. And I took that to mean of, more, of for and by Prince covers. So, of course, you, I think yeah, by the way, how, of course you did. <laughs> yeah, yes. Ours always <laughs> interprets very liberally. I do. And I think this is how Prince would have interpreted the list, too. <laughs> Uh, Prince would have, Prince would have sued us by now for just using his name in a podcast. Oh, just, oh yeah. yeah, and which is actually suit yeah suit is actually an interesting reason why this one's yes, on my list because it segue. is an interesting copyright uh, issue here. So I put on my list I have Prince covering Radiohead's "Creep" at uh, Coachella 2008, uh, and the the copyright part of this is that Prince put out when people put the recording of this uh, song up on YouTube. Prince put out a DMCA takedown notice claiming copyright on the song, to which uh, uh, Tom York on, of Radio had responded quite forcefully that, no, I own the copyright to Creep. <laughs> you just played it, so put it back online. Um, and then, and I guess, and it took seven years later, uh, like uh, 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 Prince tersely tweeted out, here, uh, here's Creep, you know, here's my cover of Creep, you know, copyright Radiohead in all caps. He's like, uploaded with permission, I assure you. Something along those lines. Very, uh, very, very <laughs> catty. Contentious? Very yeah. catty and contentious. But that said, it is the best cover of Creep, probably the best version of Creep you'll ever hear. And it, I think, and Prince did a lot of covers of a lot of different people. Uh, including going back to he did the Foo Fighters, he did Best of You at, at on you know, the Super Bowl halftime show, along with all on the Watchtower and you know, and a bunch of his own hits. But like I think when Prince covered a song, what Prince was saying is, "Hey, that's a good song. It could have been better if I had written it." And, then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, so you're I, saying I, there was a megalomaniacal streak. I think that's what you're saying. Oh, oh, I guarantee you. Um, and, but I, I would. But that said, like go 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 on to YouTube, look up Prince's cover um, of "Creep" from Coachella. It's eight minutes long, and he Prince totally mixes his own, and it's fantastic. So that's my number three on the list. I know it's not going to make the top five, but you know what? It's a Prince cover in my interpretation of that that category. We got it. All right. So number two, and I think that uh, this is much deserving up here because. Um, I think it was such a massive hit and it's hard to uh, argue with it as being uh, one of the best Prince covers and maybe it should be number one. Um, but I have Sinead O'Connor doing nothing compares to you, which is just, I mean, it, it's mind blowing, right? It's really good. It's why anybody gives a shit about Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you I think about it, she's so repellent otherwise that, but for this song, nobody would have ever, heard about her or cared and i mean I, maybe i'm being mean but it's just so good so that's i agree why, i agree it's a um and i think choice. i think we'll see this in the in the final top five for sure no i but agree every, yeah i agree it wasn't yeah. wasn't into it uh when it came out as a we were really? uh, pretty young no. and i wasn't no it wasn't wasn't into oh it. i liked I thought it. it was oh well todd your musical of course well your i feel like your musical taste it like goes beyond harris and i 10 years like you when you mentioned paul you're Simon, just on a different plane. yeah like paul you yeah. just mentioned paul uh, i'm when not you, trying to i'm not saying you, that no when you no, mentioned we are yeah we you, are yeah that. you're like oh i okay. saw paul simon and elvis costello and people are like oh is he 52 and uh actually no he's <laughs> not you know and i think that that's what so so i you know and it's cool I remember, we, we I love know, you for I remember, it man yeah great i remember yeah. something great todd considering is like this sinead gal's got some a pretty good set of pipes here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She can really check it out. Check it out, check it out again. 
Woo! Yeah, Todd's like, I got a call. Why is she shaving her head there? What is she, a monk, huh? What's going on? So I'm like a 52-year-old and a 36-year-old 23 Todd, Todd's like, I got to call Clive Davis right now. We're going out to dinner at Morton's. We're going to talk about how we can sign Sinead. It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, no, the Sinead, no, it's it's a, it, she does an awesome job. And I do want to mention, actually, going back to my, my rant, which was which I didn't take very, which didn't, I didn't go very long about radio and prints and the tributes and all that. There was a really cool... Uh, radio tribute to Prince. I don't know if you guys picked up on this. It was um, so seven hours and 15 days after he passed away. I think it was the current in Minneapolis, which orchestrated this. And they had ra they invited radio stations from all over the country to play Prince at the exact same time, seven hours and 15 days. Oh, uh, that's awesome. I didn't yeah, hear about that. Pretty cool. So, yeah. Very cool. Harrison, next. Uh, and number one I have, and this is the most recent one on my list, and this was Bruce Springsteen's tribute to uh, – to Prince opening up his show on uh, April 23rd at the Barclays uh, Center with uh, Purple Rain. Uh, I think it's just a very, it's a very faithful cover. And a lot of times when we talk about covers, the thing I talk about a lot is gravitas. Like who, like if you're doing a cover of somebody, you need to be a little bit worthy of doing it. And I think it also goes the other way where somebody can make a statement by doing somebody else's cover. And I think this is one where Bruce, you know, Bruce Springsteen was on like, a great honor to to Prince by so faithfully covering the song and doing it so well. Um, like, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree. You know, there's no argument here. It's, it's it's. I loved it when I saw that that he did that. No, but Harrison, you're exactly right. It was the timing of it, uh, the way it was done. Everything was just perfect. Bruce, Bruce has always had a way with like with tributes. I yeah. have to say, and like he, and, he, and I like, think. He, I, he opened the show with it. This is the first song, you know, like, and that's a hell of a way to come out. So it is. Oh, yeah, I mean, as a, especially as live music fans, all of us, right? Imagine sitting oh, there. Yeah. yeah. And he bathed like the stage. If you saw the video, it's bathed in purple light before they even came out. Yeah. The whole stage was in was purple. It yeah. was so cool. Yeah. Well, especially and they uh, were just come out. Yeah. And just break right into that. It was. Oh, yeah. And in a awesome, way, man. Prince and Bruce were peers of the 80s, yeah. you know, so oh, the 80s pop scene. So, yeah, it, it definitely made sense. Well, you know what's funny is the only thing that kept one in the USA from being number one on the charts was Purple Rain. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were concurrent, like, massive hits wow. in 1984. And so, yeah, it, you're right. Like, they, those, you know, their biggest selling albums, both of them, happened at the exact same time. So even though they're you know different generations a little bit uh well yeah different you know somewhat different generationally and different sonically um you know they're they're tied together by that 80s pop stardom which they both hit at the same time even though th and the cool thing is both of them had careers that were much bigger than you know their pop uh, the pop success yeah um and bruce obviously had a lot more before that but they both had a lot more after it too and prince had some obviously before that too yeah so. Yeah, yeah. All right, Harrison, recap your list for us all. Sure. Uh, going back, number five, we have Churches, I Would Die For You. Four, Jolly Nikki by the Foo Fighters. Three is Prince covering Creep by Radiohead by Prince. Uh, number two is Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. And number one is Bruce Purple Rain. All right. You know, normally we do the, the lists in the order, Harrison, me, Todd, but I feel like we're, we're kicking off a new season of Lister because of our prolonged break before this episode. Todd, you go next. Oh, right. okay. You go. You right. go. You're I'll, up, man. I'll you go. go. Into it. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so, actually, it's funny that that Purple Rain Bruce was your number one. That was actually – that's my number five. It's rare that I have Bruce lower on a list Shocking. than Harrison. I feel right. like I've yeah. somehow – Either I've done something wrong or I've done something very right. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I, you know, I'll keep it brief because we just talked about it. But, but my, uh, my, like when I listen to this or watch the video, and I highly recommend anyone out there who's a Prince fan or a Springsteen fan, if you haven't watched it, watch that video from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, and it was like the day or day after, I think, that it came out, I think, the news. But, uh, you know, my, my feeling about it was even though, like, you, you come, you know, you watch it for Bruce, but really stay and watch it for Nils Lofgren because he, his guitar solo is just electrifying. It's incredible. And it's like a face melter. And, you know, it does, I felt like it does, the, the, his guitar solo does Prince proud. Is that Walter Prince Johnson? Is a, a very underrated guitarist. Oh, that what? guitar solo Walter is. Walter Johnson alumni, Nils Lofgren. 
Lofgren. Yes, Larry Sam Bethesda native Nils Lofgren. Okay, but he's yeah. like he's an underrated guitarist no. too. Not I he mean is. I know you know Prince is, but like Nils Lofgren just and that song Purple Rain has does have Prince did an incredible guitar solo on it, but Nils Lofgren does it like very faithfully. But he does it with such energy, and like it just blew me away when I saw it. And I've seen Nils perform many times live, but you know he still manages to to have that effect on me. I agree. So. Uh, I agree completely regarding the Nils the Nils guitar solo in that video. That, that's worth watching the video. He's it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can see oh, he's so incredible. into it. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number five, Purple Rain by the Springsteen and the E Street Band. Uh, my number four is. Uh, is it's cool they've been doing this for years actually it wasn't a recent tribute but uh government mule their ver their uh version of when doves cry is just incredible and i know we've all seen it because we've seen government mule together and I, I know they did it i'm pretty sure they did it when we all saw them at 9 30 club back in like when, uh, 2003 or whenever that was yeah they did um but like it, it, they've been doing it for so long warren haynes just it's a very soulful cover um and they just they just knock it out of the park like they, they it, it's incredible like i know we all saw it and you're like you know at first you're like wait wait what is that oh my and then and then you have that moment i love that the moment of recognition when you see a cover alive and then you're like holy shit they're playing when he's playing when Dude. doves cry which is a song you do not expect at all from like a bluesy because warren haynes could do band. anything he could sing he the can. songs that my daughter sings in her music together class and they would we would all listen to them on repeat yeah. i mean he he's like he could do yeah it's amazing but i agree with you i'm gonna so when doves cry they they do along with beautifully broken which is a government right. song and i always segue I'm, into that i am um blind queuing this up and maybe it'll get to it but maybe not and Beautifully Broken is a great song, yeah. too. It's a great parent. Yeah, this is Beautifully Broken, and it segues into When Doves Cry at some point, but I didn't hit the, the, the right moment, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> so, yeah, it's awesome. So that's that's my number four, When Doves Cry, slash Beautifully Broken, Government Mule. Um, number three, uh, this was – so much like Harrison saying uh, he talked about nothing compares to you. And it's funny because – uh, in all these tributes that have happened in the last, you know, in the time since Prince died, um, I think the most covered songs have been Purple Rain and Nothing Compares to You. And uh, but but what one thing that's funny is like us is that there's a cover of Nothing Compares to You that came pretty sure well before Prince passed uh, by Chris Cornell. And it's incredible. And I actually never heard it until we were researching for the show. Uh, and Chris Cornell does just just kills it i mean i've i've yeah. always loved chris cornell's voice but it's it's like he's perfect for this song he's like the perfect male voice. if, if Sinead o'connor was the perfect female voice for this he was the perfect male voice and uh there, i don't know scott i don't know if you listen to the version he did for like sirius xm yeah no that's that, the so that's so, a, so let me it's, a, it's so, on youtube so and again another great interview see i hope i hope we're recording all these interview questions we have for when these guys get on the show because the cornell uh, the, the the Cornell nothing compares to you. I think there's an interesting story to it because I think it was done at SiriusXM for their mm -hmm. Lithium channel. And right now on YouTube, by the way, 3.3 million hits on that video. Uh, and yeah, it was done impressive. a few months before Prince passed away. So it was done September oh, so of it was 2015. Recent. Still okay. re relatively recent. So it's a little over six months, obviously. Um, uh, and... Yeah, September of last year is when he recorded it, and 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 it's yeah, it's it's amazing, and it was just done as a great um, studio session kind of thing for SiriusXM, and um, probably the best thing I've ever heard that came out of or recently. Yeah, oh, it's I mean, incredible. It's, yeah, it's it's just him playing acoustic guitar and singing, One and of then the, a yeah. cellist, a cellist that really is like a great accompaniment. Yeah, and then a lead guitar, and the lead guitar is funny is a guy named Keaton Simons, um, who. Like who I saw in Ar Arlington when I lived there back like 12 years ago, and wow. I got his autograph, and it was so it was weird. I didn't know he was like touring with Chris Cornell now. Yeah, but he was a good he was a good singer songwriter in his own. Now this is so. What I was gonna say was you know, Cornell record. I don't want to talk over it. It's so good. Man, 
yeah it's awesome it's it's, 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 so, it's a haunting cover it's great yeah it's so, so what i was gonna say is credit to sirius xm for do, doing something like this that's so cool um and then also you know cornell now is playing it at a lot of shows, I haven't looked recently, but you know, right after his, the because he's on tour and right after right, I saw a live. I did see a yeah, live performance. He's they been the sound so, quality wasn't as good. But yeah, so so I don't know if he is. Um, if he's working it in because of Prince's death, or he, you know, he it was so good in that in that Sirius XM setting, or you know, I, I'm so curious what led him to do that because you're right. My my take on it, and when we get to my counting, you'll see my take on that is like that's something that could have been released on an album. It's so good. Uh, oh, it's yeah, yeah it's so. much better than his cover of Billie Jean. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the Michael Jackson versus Prince debate yeah. comes up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, it's funny that he covered. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but he did that Billie Jean cover, and it was like it was a little cringe worthy. Oh it? yeah, well that was in his whole Timberland phase. That, that was, was the, yes. uh, no, he's yeah. turned it around, man. I mean, he, he's sounding no, so he good has. now. Yeah, yeah. I think he's um, he's come to terms with his timber that's um the big difference is he doesn't try to hit those high notes anymore he knows he can't well, you know, i think be, that's yeah it'd be interesting no no but i mean it's it's, it's a different approach like no, you don't but... try to you don't you sing songs that are, are more in your current range and it, it gets him away from making those mistakes where you're like oh chris that should have been on the high octave you know well he's yeah, also he can't sing jesus christ pose anymore he can't so he doesn't he do i think that's the right thing to do right because <laughs> yeah axel's gonna fuck some shit up like we know there's going to be some moments where you go, oh, buddy. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think Chris now has just in the last couple few years has figured out to stay, you know, to stay in his range. And I, and I, and he still has had an incredible voice. He just can't get into those upper, uh, upper yeah. notes anymore. I also love, I, I think maybe he's come to grips with the fact that he's now this singer songwriter, uh, guy, you know, as opposed to trying to be a pop star. And, and the two, there's two names that come to mind when I think about the trajectory of his career. And I wonder if these guys will kind of bring it back to where he's brought it to, because I, I would love to see both of them do it is, uh, Lenny Kravitz and Ben Harper, both of those, right. Kind of get back mm -hmm. to like, I feel like they're in that same vein where if they were to do something like this and bring it back and, and realize and not, I don't think Ben Harper uh, think is putting out pop music, but I I do think the new album's a little yeah. bit poppy. Uh, and Lenny definitely went completely pop, right? But I don't know. It's just it, it, two names that came to mind as I was thinking about yeah, the that's Cornell's career. All right, Todd, go so ahead. So I'll, I'll finish up with my yeah. countdown. So uh, number three, nothing compares to you, the Chris Cornell version. Number two, uh, it, I don't think it's on either of your lists, and I had to include it because it was one of the first cassette tapes, maybe the first, <laughs> one of the first I ever bought. But the Bengals' Manic Monday, nice. which a lot of people don't realize, was written by Prince. Um, and Vicky didn't know. I was telling Vicky she didn't know that Nothing Compares to You or Manic Monday were. And um, I'd say most people, like pop music fans, probably don't know that. Uh, but Manic Monday, it, the funny thing about Manic Monday is like if you read the, if, if you heard that, you know, we've all heard the song, or at least anyone who was born before like 19, I don't know, early 80s. 82. Um, I'll give you 82. Yeah, okay, 82. Yeah, early 80s. Yeah, anyone born before that has heard it. Um, and 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 it's it's like it was probably a perfect song to give away, and that's what Prince did. He gave it to the Bengals because it's hard to imagine Prince performing this song. Well, that's you know, funny. Like, funny, you, if you get on YouTube, if you dig far enough, there is a demo version of Prince and Apollonia doing Manic Monday. Oh, really? And the audio is terrible it's okay. on there okay I was he did write it. it for apollonia i read originally wow. yeah because yeah there, was there is a version of, of apollonia 6 doing it somewhere too uh, um, but there was some kind of bat falling out and then he gave it to uh the bangles and Susanna hoffs well the, the fun story that i like about this is that the, there's this this i don't know if it's an urban legend or what but there's this story that's been out there for a long time uh and i i kind of forgot about it but then i in, in researching this remembered it and the story is that Prince offered the song to Susanna Hoffs in exchange for sex, which is just beautiful. I mean, it really suits him very so well. You know, I love the idea that you could write a song and just exchange it. You know, it's just it's like this. this and not even like I'll write a, I'll write a song about you. Like I'm gonna write a song about you. Baby. Oh. He's like I wrote a song and you're allowed to play it. Right. If and it's and it's just about the tediousness of the the Monday, you know, the day of the week, exactly. of Monday and, and and the tedium, I should say, and like it's just such a like nine to five grind. work day song, like the grind, which is yeah. funny because Prince probably didn't live. I mean, I'm sure he lived that at some point, but at, in 1986, he definitely wasn't living that life, and that's when you know they, this became a hit. I, and somewhat, 
yeah. somewhere out there there's a version of I I haven't seen it yet but of Prince performing like coming on as a guest with the Bengals and playing it. You, you guys, I've I've YouTube gold to report that I've just uncovered. Okay, so my brain, oh. as you were as you said the name Susanna Hoffs, obviously, of course, because any of the three of us would do this, I go, oh Matthew Sweet, because he's been on tour with Susanna Hoffs, right? Oh, that's true. Normal yeah. people yeah. wouldn't do that, but the three of us would do that. So yes. then I said, wait a minute, they must have performed Manic Monday at some point. Everybody, here it is, Matthew Sweet Ooh. and Susanna oh, Hoffs, Manic Sweet. Monday. I don't know how it is. This is, this is not, I, I haven't just found it. I don't know if Matthew Sweet gets into it at all. But they had an album of covers, right? Susanna Hoffman, Yeah, I think Matthew so. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that is YouTube gold. Yeah, yeah. If, no we get, if we get a Matthew Sweet verse, it will be. Let's see. Uh, I could imagine singing in clubs, seeing this. I, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, this is this is actually such a great. Uh, and Todd, you you're you're when you're si- when you're sitting with all the fifty year olds, this must be this is probably awesome for you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we love it. We love it. <laughs> Us old Gen Xers. Guys, I remember driving around in my Miata, listening to Top Dad, listening to this song. I, I, think, 107. I think I was just born at the wrong end of the Gen X spectrum. <laughs> We're at the, the youngest end of the Gen X. Yeah, spectrum, you but I are, feel like I relate to the old right. Gen X guy. Yeah, you should have been born in '69. Like when, yeah, like, when I when I listen to Mark Maron, I'm always like, yeah, fuck yeah, I feel like I'm we're my contemporaries. And Mark Maron's like 52. So there's something wrong in my head, obviously, or my generation. But I like I definitely consider myself Gen X. But you know, maybe at the older end, I don't know. Just maybe but, maybe this is just Susanna Hoff just does this like. As part of the performance, when she performs, she has to do the song. I mean, song. if I if if I saw Susanna Hoffs and she didn't play that, wouldn't, wouldn't you be disappointed? Matthew Sweet, he didn't do a verse. That's pretty. Uh, no, add that to the oh, question. Bad. When Matthew, I feel Sweet, like Matthew yeah. Sweet would do a, a hell of a job. Oh my god, be awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so as I said, uh, the Bengals. This the album that Manic Monday appeared on and was the first single on was A Different Light, was the album, and I actually bought that cassette tape. I'm pretty sure the same day that I bought Born in the USA, and they were, I think, the first two cassettes I ever owned. So they have a special places in my heart. And so it's cool that, that night, we're talking about did, Bruce and you, the Bengals. Did you go to an time. early Alice in Chains show that night also? Oh, since I definitely you, you were, yeah, 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 you were at that. Since, since Me and Elaine, <laughs> late night, we were <laughs> hanging out. Since you're awesome. in that, that never... part of the Gen X generation, you know, very early, <laughs> very early. Oh, on. Yeah, for that. It's yeah. a great tribute for the Todd Gelfeld Birthplace and Museum. That we'll I was seven years old, and you know, you never, yeah. you never forget that first time writing the, the whole little animatronic board. Todd walking up to the Tower Records counter, just peeking over, putting two cassettes on the. <laughs> You know, you know what? It was actually Meanwhile, Waxy Maxis. Yeah. It was Waxy Maxis. Waxy Maxis. Oh, this was before Tower. Oh, for me. man. And nice. I, yeah. It's... Waxy Maxis. Pretty sure it was White Flint Mall. Pretty sure they had a Waxy Maxis. Mm. That's nice. Five years ahead of me buying the Nelson cassette, Todd. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is the influence of my older brothers. I would give them credit for that. Uh, okay. So, number one, let me just finish because I don't want to. This is long winded enough, and I was not. I was trying not to be. But number one uh, is is Sinead O'Connor. Nothing, her version of Nothing Compares to You. I, like I said earlier, that song in 1990, you know, did have an effect on me, uh, as it did on a lot of people. It was a worldwide hit. It's an iconic music video. Uh, and it, the funny thing is that it was written for one of Prince's side projects, The Family, and actually recorded. Apparently, I haven't heard the recording in like 1985. And then she, you know, she did it five years later. But I feel like she, there's something about her voice and that song, and it, and it like a perfect match, um, and you know just grieving, grieving the end of a relationship. And um, the the irony is that I didn't know this until again researching this, but apparently she and Prince didn't like each other. Uh, and did not get along, so I thought that was kind of shocking that she didn't get along with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's. I guess that shouldn't be that shocking. Or they both, they both had their own version of batshit insane Christianity. Yeah, they're, they're both pretty well, compatible. You yeah, know? they're both pretty prickly, I guess. Did, yeah. Did someone say bat? Does that mean that we can play bat dance or? Uh, dance. Oh, no, no, no. You were just right. waiting. Yeah, yeah I was. I was. Uh, Todd, recap your list for us, man. Okay, so that's uh, my list is number five. Um, Purple Rain by Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band, their cover. Uh, number four, uh, Government Mule doing When Doves Cry. Number three, Chris Cornell's version of Nothing Compares to You. 
two, Manic Monday by the Bengals, and number one, Sinead O'Connor is nothing compares to. All right. There it is. So my nice. list, everything on my list has been discussed already, so I'll run through it, maybe <laughs> justify why my number one is my number one. Uh, number five, Government Mule When Doves Cry. Number four, Springsteen Purple Rain. Number three, Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. Number two, Foo Fighters, Darling Nikki. And at number one, Cornell's Nothing Compares to You. Um, my my reasoning for one and two over the Sinead number three, I told you, Sinead number th- the Sinead track when it came out, being young, wasn't that into it. Now, so I was I, surprised that you put Chris Cornell above. Yeah, I, I well, like I said earlier in the show, I, I think that that song could have been released today as and be a hit probably. I mean, it's so good. He does such so the a good, Cornell version. Yeah, the Cornell yeah. version. So I think that to me, that's why it it went up to to number one. And then the Foo Fighters, Darling Nikki. You know, that's a great example of a cover. That's a band that was one of the biggest bands of, of our generation growing up. At the time it was released, they were one of the biggest bands in the world. Um, and on, the, on, a, on their trajectory on the way up, they still are, but obviously going on, on the way up when that was released. And they were able to introduce, um, you know, as somebody who wasn't familiar with that track, to that song and i think that's the great mark of a a cover you know when you're younger and you learn about past rock history through the current rock stars that you're following playing those those songs so uh that's why that was that was number two and also for a lot of the reasons that harrison mentioned with it being kind of out of the blue and out there and and just becoming this uh an interesting kind of hit so one and two that's why i justify those i think we've talked enough about my my three through five so um i did want to use the time since all of mine were taken, I mean, the amount of Prince covers that have come out over the last few weeks are amazing. And there are some that probably are worth checking out that we haven't really listened to. I And Harrison, you mentioned it. It's on YouTube. I haven't heard it yet. But Darius Rucker, okay, did Purple Rain back in June of 2015. And I just want to check it out. So, <laughs> to I mean, be honest, I haven't course. listened to it either. So I take no responsibility. Oh, that sounds about right. It sounds like a karaoke yeah. bar in Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's where that one's going. There's some other. I mean, there are mate. The My Morning Jacket one is worth checking out from New Orleans yeah, Jazz Fest. Yeah, My Morning Fest. Jacket has been playing, they've been covering Purple Rain at Jazz Fest, but also since then. Yeah, covering. and um, I thought I thought Mumford's cover of Nothing Compares to You was really good. They did that it um, the the week that he passed away. They may still be doing it, but they did the same thing where you know stage was purple and all that, and Jimmy. Buffett was a fun one. I mean, he, he did Purple Rain and did a whole tribute, and it was it was what you would expect from. It sounds just like you. It would, was yeah. It, it was, was Buffett, Buffett right? Yes. I mean, listen to this. It's like a guy on a bar stool. It's it's Buffett. Oh, this is a bad version. Anyway, you can check it out. So, <laughs> well, um, speaking yeah. of bad versions, just for a moment, uh, Tom Jones doing Kiss, which was a hit for Tom Jones, but now listening to it does does not hold up. Uh, uh, I gotta find I, that I think, one. Yeah. You can find out. It's not. It's number twenty-eight on your playlist. Oh, okay, twenty-eight. All right, here we go. Yeah, I haven't heard. It. Yeah, I saw. I noticed this one, and I had not heard it. And when you hear it, you'll go, "Oh yeah, I remember Tom Jones covered this." But now you go, "Oh yeah, Tom Jones covered this." And you're like, "Just put on Sex Bomb, please." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, the, the Tom Jones. I, I don't get. We'll have a, have a separate discussion. The Tom Jones late nineties revival. The Tom Jones. The Tom right? Jones and Tony Bennett resurrections. I don't understand. That was yeah. strange. Tony's still going strong, though. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, let's oh, give it a little bit more. Give it a little bit more. Oh, you want more? Is really more? Yeah. There it is. Oh, wow. There's nothing that was necessary really about yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two words that should never go together. I feel like, right? <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, I um, I have a you know to get that song out of our heads. Maybe I can find. There was a great Rob Bass and Kiss mashup. And I wonder if this is it. Um, let's see if I can find it here. It's Rob it's Bass and really, Kiss. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I've heard this. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is from the, of course, this is, you know, going back six, seven years. The mashup, when mashups were. Uh, big deal. Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, all right. So should, all we, right. should we compile? The we final should compile list? our final list. Yeah. It might not be that hard because we have a lot of overlap. I mean, maybe the, the, the ranking, but. 
The oh, go ahead. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, so we got. So on the on the big board, uh, Sinead, nothing compares to you. Uh, I think that might be number one. That might be number one of the bullet because it's okay. on all three that's, lists. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's number one. Sinead, nothing compares to you. There's Manic Monday by the Bengals. There's Cornell's nothing compares to you. Govern Mule when doves cry. Purple Rain Springs. There's a lot of overlap. The overlap one should probably get the Purple Rain Springs scene should probably be number two, right? Because that was on all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Todd Todd waited low, so it's not number one. Todd, you really did Springsteen there. I didn't realize actually what I was doing. I thought it was just like (laughs) no one else was going to mention it. Uh, I would put uh, Darling Nikki at least for consideration. Darling yeah, Nikki, yeah. Darling Nikki. Uh Cornell, obviously. Darling Nikki and Cornell and When Doves Cry. And that's yeah, that's yeah. probably I'm okay. If you guys don't want Manic Monday on there, we can leave that off. Okay. And I really like I would say definitely listen if you haven't heard the church's one, listen to it all the way through because it's it's a good yeah. it's a good cover. Yeah, that's that's so that I, I would say time. the Cornell version at number three, given how much praise we gave that. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. Cornell version and then four and five would be uh what when doves cry and what was the other one uh darling nikki so when doves cry at five and, and darling nikki at four and i'd put I, Dove, uh, when doves cry at four okay doves cry all right. wow all that's right. cool with me interesting that's overlap cool. there because when, when uh we saw government mule at 9 30 club dave Grohl in attendance actually yes. so there is yes, some there true. is some uh some overlap there yeah and, I like that. um there you go. So if, if if this stands, this is how it would be. Number five, Foo Fighters, Darling Nikki. Number four, When Doves Cry by Government Mule. Number three, Chris Cornell's Nothing Compares to You. Number two, Springsteen's Cover of Purple Rain. And number one, it's Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. Is that, uh, that sounds That sounds, that sounds great. right. That sounds All right. Great. So the top five Prince covers. Number five is Darling Nikki by the Foo Fighters. Number four, When Doves Cry by Government Mule. Number three, Nothing Compares to You by Chris Cornell. And at number two, Bruce Springsteen's Purple Rain. Number one, Sinead O'Connor's connor doing nothing compares to you it's a good list listen to it there you have it that is is a good mixtape right there um yeah so anyway well real quick what what have you guys been listening to lately uh harrison what do you got man i i listened to uh, a moonshape pool this week uh twice this is the new radiohead album that just came out uh, you know which i let off with the uh i guess their internet radio silence and they put out the burn the witch single and then immediately released the album so that was kind of a um you know, a well-orchestrated publicity stunt on their part. Uh, that said, uh, the album is really good, um, and I highly recommend you listen to it. But it is—it's weird. It's just the most sparse radio album, Radiohead album you've—I've uh, ever heard, and that's saying a lot because I think Radiohead has been on this trajectory of like stripping away more and more sound. Hey. For yeah. like every album, right? Like, and yeah, we're getting we're really towards getting to, minimalism. As much we're getting as really possible. down to it. This album is really just Tom York singing over like a, a banjo. It seems like, <laughs> and it, I mean that's being harsh, but it's it's really I mean, it's worth listening to. But it it ends. It just I remember I got to the end of the album both times, and I was like, wait, that's it? And it just because the album just kind of peters out, and that's and it's over. And I'm like, I'm wondering, is like, is this is this Radiohead saying goodbye? Like, I don't know how much they can't get much more sparse in, unless they just do spoken word on the next one. So maybe hope Tom York will do slam poetry. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's great, but it's like, are they fading away? That's my question. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. You guys know, I have no opinion on the Radiohead. Uh, I know Scott's not yeah, a fan. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a great band. I know, I know, I know. I've always liked yeah. Radiohead. Todd, what are you listening uh, to, man? Uh, I was going to just, because it's been like, you know, a, a long time since we've been doing this. I was just going to mention, like, I got to meet two of my uh, musical idols of the 21st century in the last couple months, so I felt like that was worth mentioning. And I'm, I know we've talked about both these guys a lot. Uh, one of them was Rhett Miller, who I know Scott's a big fan of, and getting to meet Rhett Miller was just was amazing. And I actually talked to him about Twisted Lister, which is really cool. I did not book him for the show, and I feel I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I did talk to him. He did at least feign interest in the show he was like he actually asked me after i mentioned he was like what is it called again what's your show called and i said oh twisted lister you said so I was like, you said wtf with mark maron that's the name yeah, of the show. yeah. <laughs> have, you heard of it? have you ever heard of it we've got a fair amount of listeners yeah yeah so meeting rhett miller was incredible for me like i love as a songwriter as a singer as a performer i think he's amazing and then uh, also, and Harrison was with me for this, getting to meet Craig Finn from the Hold Steady, the uh, cool. solo tour. 
so cool. Like I, I was one both of, those... of us too starstruck to actually ask any questions or yeah, communicate yeah. with him oh, any way. Like, hold up our phone, like Sophie. <laughs> yeah, Another... I, I didn't know what to say to him. I felt I was all I said was like, "Your music means a lot to me," and that was like all I could think of, or something like that. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so you know, when you get to meet your like, your you know, and it's sad, like maybe other people would be like have no idea who these guys are but like to me these guys are like musical heroes i'm like oh my god you pinch yourself so i had to share those couple things and then the one other thing i would mention is the new yaysayer album uh if you're going to listen to something i think it's one of the best albums of the year so far um and i'm going to see them tomorrow night so i'm particularly excited about uh yaysayer and i saw them at coachella back on their last tour in 2013 great band kind of synth driven indie pop rock whatever you want to call it but it's awesome so that's it i'm with you on the new yaysayer i really like it uh i have gotten into you know the last year we did i think i was obsessed with a jam band called twiddle who i'm still obsessed with i i, I say it's <laughs> i'm listening to them uh and i i discovered another jam band recently called the hip abduction their new album is called gold under the glow uh i really like them and then also i wanted to give another shout out to kexp there are two uh, sessions live sessions that i watched just recently in the past few days that were great and we're checking out for any music fan one being the band with a shitty name but they're a good band and it's literally a shitty name diarrhea planet and then the other one <laughs> being uh polyrhythmics who are funk jazz jam and they are really cool so but any if you ever uh you're sitting around and and the, the kexp youtube channel is in my mind the best youtube channel that's out there and the live sessions they put up are usually fantastic i don't think i've really hit a uh a bad one yet so um those are all all worth checking out so that's what i got good recommendations Plan plan us out. Um, I like I said, I kind of want to go back to the the YouTube gold here because uh, there's a lot of stuff that we still haven't checked out, and we've talked a lot about stuff that's here. And I just discovered there's a Dixie Chicks cover of "Nothing Compares to You," and I'm curious about it, so I want to oh, play it. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, but the camera's a little shaky here at the beginning. All right, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time on the Lister. Wait, is this new, by the way? Yeah. Oh. It's been so